Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And I got a returning guest. This, this is my Father's Day edition, so it's only right that I get my great friend, my brother, who a first-time father this year, Mr. Raymond Cousins. Thank you for joining me again. What's happening, bro? Thanks for having me, my man. Hey, man. So a lot a lot has changed since our first podcast. <laughs> what, what, what was I, like your second? First. Like, first? You was the first person I ever met. was your first pod, bro. So, yeah, absolutely, man. Hey, I just want to let you know, man, I'm proud of you, bro. I'm proud of you with sticking to uh, what you want in life and just keep grinding for it because, like, now you're starting to see the fruits of it. When you first started, like, I was your first pod, but as you keep working, you keep grinding, you keep getting people, you keep, like, I'm just so proud of you, bro. I can keep going, but I'm so <laughs> proud of you, bro. Hey, I'm man. I'm so proud of what you're building. I'm so proud of what you built so far. Like, and I see the difference. People are excited to talk to you. People are excited to talk to about sports, life, teaching. You have people from all scopes of, of, of the world, all different professions, and you are proficient with asking them questions, taking them to task, and like, I'm just so proud of you, man. I keep, I, like I said, I can keep going. Man, bro, hey man, thanks, man. I look. I truly appreciate it, man. And I I was so happy because I reached out to you and I was like, man, I hope, you know, I know you got you got the kid, the new baby, and Absolutely. you know, I know how the sleep pattern and shit be all messed up. So it's like I'm glad you did because you need to understand that since I was the first person to pod with you, you need to um pay your respects and have me on. <laughs> Well, you find a way to be an asshole, don't you? <laughs> you already know, bro. So look, so let's talk about it, man. So I remember, I remember seeing the video, man. Um, you know, y- y'all shared the video when you first found out, man. I was so, I saw the video. I was so happy, man. So I wanted to give you a chance. What was you feeling when you first found out, bro? I'm gonna keep it a bean with you. So uh, I'm telling I'm gonna take it back to Baltimore when I when I'm talking right now. But I'm gonna keep it, I'm gonna keep it a bean. I'm gonna keep it a buck <laughs> with you. So we had a lot of appointments, you know. We had a lot of appointments, weekly appointments, um, gearing up, making sure that she's healthy, she's straight, you know, we're good. So it's just like, yeah, I got an appointment. Okay, we got an appointment. We got another appointment. Okay, we got another appointment. So it really slipped my mind. And um, during that process, where we have a weekly appointment, so it was kind of like, um, you know, we were eating out a lot. It was like, you know what, we got appointments today. Let me take you. Let me take you out here. Let me take you there. Let's let's go out. Let's enjoy ourselves. Let's take a break from everything. So uh, that was kind of consistent weekly. So she called me. It was like, uh, you know, uh, I think. Um, I think we should eat, start eating in. We need to start saving money. We need to start working on, <laughs> you know, working on wealth building and all of that good stuff. <laughs> I'm like, you know, she's the she's the money manager down to the sense. I kind of turn up a little bit. So, you know, since that's our roles, I'm like, all right, baby, let's sit down and talk about these bills when I get home. And um, we're not going to go to this pizzeria that we love around the corner. So I get home and she's like, 
hey, I just want to let you know that, you know, I got the food in the oven. So grab your food right now. And then we can sit down and talk about these bills and all of this stuff. So she was riling me up real good. It sounded great, right? <laughs> and um, I opened the oven and it's, it's like buns and plastic. So I'm like, yo, my G, I'm hungry. Like, I'm hungry. <laughs> And you know, when you're in D.C., you got access to all the good food. And you skip all the good food and eat a salad. And you like, yo, I'm finna eat a burger. I'm about to eat some pizza, some wings. We about to get it in. So I'm like, yo, why is a bun in the oven in plastic? Like, <laughs> that needs to be on the counter. What is happening? So she's like, what's in the oven? I'm like, yo, it's a bun. Oh. Oh, it's a bun in the oh oh oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I said all I have to say, man. She got me really, really, really good. Man, you were so excited and slow at the same time, man. man I died. And I was snagging the table. I was running in place, man. I'm so glad she got that video because she got me good. I don't think anybody like I am the king of like. April Fools, you can't get me. Halloween tricks, you can't get me. But that was probably top five ever. Like she got me good. Oh man, look, I'm going number one because you was you was legit fool. <laughs> I was. That that is by far number one. So so what's been your what was your expectations going into fatherhood? Um, I'm not sure. You know, I was just like completely open to it. I was excited because, you know, being in your 30s, it's like, okay, I grinded, I messed up, I fell down, picked myself back up, fell down, picked myself back up, figured out my 20s. I was in the military for most of my 20s, too. Mm -hmm. So it was more like, okay, the 30s, I got it together. I know who I am. I have my core. I have my friends that are gonna that I know are gonna be around. I got my family, so it's it's really time for these kids. And logically, that's how it works, but mentally, you know, it takes getting prepared for. And um, yeah, I'm just I'm still excited. I'm still on cloud nine, honestly. My little man is six, almost six weeks. It's six weeks, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm still super excited, man. Uh, I'm on cloud nine. I can't even believe it. Sometimes I look at him and see my face. It's like surreal. I let a little gorgeous cousins. <laughs> man, the most beautifulest thing I've ever seen, man. I put that on everything I, outside of my wife. He's the most beautifulest thing I've ever seen in my entire life, man. And so has, has fatherhood changed you any? I think, I think honestly, um, and we talk about this a lot personally, but, um, you know, when you're young, you come from where you come from, good, bad, or ugly, and we didn't have the best. Me or you didn't have the best, like, start in creating our adult life, you know? But I just think you work hard, you work hard, you work hard because you believe that you need to work hard to create a better life for yourself. And that's your drive, your drive. Like you're working, you're working, you're working to add on to your career, take in more skills, get your education. And I think when my son was born, I actually see it now that I didn't see it. 
I just worked because I thought I had to work. I had to grind because I had to get to this next level to bring myself up economically. But now that I see my son, it's like, okay, everything's in place now. You know, I see it now. I see why I had to, I made these sacrifices in my twenties because now he's reaping the benefits of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So everything's like in place. Like, okay, that's why, that's why I went on employment in the Navy. That's why I, you know, filed my VA claims and got my benefits back to support my child. And that's why I continue to climb in the federal government and take job after job, you know, all of, you know, our friend group always teased me about I got more jobs in the gym. <laughs> uh, but I just do it because of the grind, because that's just who I am. I got to grind. I got to work. I got to get to that next level. But looking at my son now, I actually see it. Looking at his face, I'm like, okay, this wasn't for the grind. This wasn't because I enjoy it. I love it. This was for you. And now you're here. Yeah. You know? Right, right. That makes sense. Like, it's just whole, like, uh, it's like an aha moment, you know? And we, and we, man, you talk like a lot, man. And um, one of the things that I really love that's going on is you're actually in a stage where you're, you're building. Like, you, you, you got a lot of things. You've, you've finally at a point of stability. So now you're at a, point where you're, you're building for your son. And I wanted you to just talk about some of the things that you're able to put in place for your son. So when he's growing, he's just able to just keep ascending and do even greater than what you can even imagine doing. Yeah. Yeah. First, I wanted to clarify, like, we do talk a lot, but I think it's more of you call me like five times a day and I try to ignore you. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, look, don't make me out to be so so nah. cool girlfriend or something. Nah, I'm I, 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 I messing with you, brother. But yeah, I think I think is like 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 I was alluding to earlier. It's more like you know, like I don't, to bring him up, and it's crazy because he's a he's a goofball. Uh, I enjoy watching him sometimes. But Charlemagne the God, okay, he said one thing in his book. Um, that one of the most valuable lessons that he learned was when he was in South Carolina working for the trap house and he always working in the trap house and he always had like grandioso like expectations and where he wanted to go in his life and all of this stuff and he was just like a weed bag filler so he like yo I want to do this I want to do that and he was like the nigga he was working for was like Yo, shut up and put the weed in the bag. Focus on putting the weed in the bag first before you talking about you trying to run this and you trying to do this and trying to do that. Focus on this. So, yeah. So it's just like, it's just putting, you know, it's just putting the work in every single day. And um, like now we had a phase where like we put all the work in and now we're on the upside. So now it's about investing. Now it's about looking at real estate and uh, purchasing, like trying to purchase properties and um, putting into the stock market. Like yesterday was the biggest dip since March, since the corona popped out. So we was able to utilize some funds and purchase some stocks while they low and, you know, be able to say, you know what? I don't 
really care what happens right now when the when it comes up that's when i'll get my return but i'm patient with it <laughs> right you know and it's right. not it's definitely it's definitely the long game with that absolutely and it's not something that i'm used to uh because you know coming from what's baltimore you're always in panic mode i gotta ground i gotta work i gotta ground i gotta work i can't i can't go back there i can't go back to the hood you know i can't you know so I think that was like my biggest driving force. So, you know, I'm really settling in, you know, with the with the other side of it. And I'm really appreciative. And if I didn't have friends like you and um, you know, our group that we built, the brotherhood, the bond that we built, because still sharp and still, brother. And uh I wouldn't be here without you, man. And I'm really appreciative of you. Hey man, I look bro. Like I tell you all the time, man. I'm so proud of everything you're doing, man. <clears throat> Just like because we were we were coming, you know, we were we worked together and I remember like doing you during that transition period and you would tell me the things you wanted to accomplish. So to see you actually accomplishing it, man, it's beautiful. Like it's nothing like hearing somebody with a plan and they tell you they plan. You know, and it and it wasn't that it was far out, but I just saw you just starting out. So everything you were saying, it was like you was just putting it in the universe and putting it in motion. So now to see everything playing out exactly the way you wanted to, like, I think it's great, man. I, I love seeing it every day. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And um, I also wanted to say, my mother told me she was proud of me this morning. So you don't got to be proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, mom, mom's proudness chops, trump, trumps all our proudness. So, I definitely get that. But look, what are you? What's like some of the biggest things that you're looking to instill in your son? I think, um, I think honestly, confidence. Because I was raised, and this is not a knock on how I was raised or anything. Because I was raised, I, I look at it. I think the biggest lens that I look at it in is I was raised in the late 80s, early, mid, late 90s, early 2000s, and that world doesn't exist anymore. So I cannot raise my son under the same doctoring and expectations as I was when I was raised in, like I said, in the world that doesn't exist. Uh, but I think confidence, because I think... Um, the way I was raised was never be too full of yourself. So anytime I would be too confident, you know, my parents or family would kind of bring me back down to earth, let me know, hey, you did okay, but this is not, this is not that good. Or, you know, it's better, you could have did better, or you could have, you know, just in, just instilling in my son that he's worthy, uh, he's beautiful, he's smart, uh, he can he can achieve anything. And also just putting in um, a big thing that I'm looking forward to. He's only six weeks, but I got big plans, you know. This <laughs> <laughs> looking at his education as far as, like, home education. And then we're going to send him off to school and all of that. But just, like, his personal finance education, his stocks um, as his stocks education and him managing that and us creating a portfolio for him at a young age and bringing him up and understanding that and also um, his history 
as a black man, as an African in America. And, you know, you, you know, me, genealogy is like one of the biggest things in my life. It's one of my biggest passions. So just introducing him to his ancestors and understanding his ancestors, the world, the time that he grew up in, and also from the research, things about our things about his ancestors uh, so he can use that to push forward in life. So I'm just excited to have a have a child and raise him in my own way. Because I think when you're raised in survival mode, you end up living in survival mode and you end up passing on survival mode to your child. So I am excited to get past the survival mode and get into thriving mode, if that's possible, as a Black man in America, you know. But, you know, just being the best that I can for my child, man. That's all I, that's all I want to do. All I want to do is keep grinding for my child. And like I said, I was just like putting the weed in the bag, working hard, working hard. And now I see the, uh, the benefit of my hard work in my child now. So it's like, it all makes sense. Are you, you know, because of everything going on, man, with the the race, the race relations in the country, just everything going on. Is there like a certain level of fear you have for your son? Because he got it. He's so young and, and he got to grow up in this crazy world. Um, honestly, I wouldn't say fear. I would say um, the expectation to make sure that my son understands who he is, because when you, when you know who you are, nobody can tell you differently. So I could tell you, like, son, you are crafting in God's image. Son, you are the man. Son, you are beautiful. Son, you are intelligent. Son, here's what your, your grandfather, your great grandfather was one of the first black police detectives in Baltimore City. Son, your other great grandfather was one of the top pastors in dc for over 30 years son your great 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 grandmother this was her name this how she lived this was her life this is who shoulders you stand on so when you know who you are when somebody tells you like somebody treats you differently because of your race or you know all of these all of this crazy stuff that happens in the world and being a black man in america um, like I think we're tasked with letting them fully understand the climate, but I think it's more important to understand who he is. And when you understand your power is the most powerful thing you could give. And I, that's what I'm more excited about more than like, oh my God, like, you know, Black Lives Matter, we out here, we on a mission. We fighting for justice. R.I.P. George Floyd. We are R.I.P. Breonna Taylor. We out here getting it in. Um, you know, I think it's a two-sided coin to that. You know. And yeah, it's these, I'll be honest, man, these times have been pretty stressful. Like it it takes a lot for me to get stressed, but I mean, just the current world we in, just with everything going on and you know, raising kids and just trying to be a black man yourself. It, it can be, uh, 
it could be overwhelming, but you know, I know with God's help and you know the, the support system that we all had, man, I, we'll be fine. We'll get through this. <laughs> I think um, another thing about my upbringing was a little different. That uh, my my father uh, he raised me from ten to eighteen as a single dad, but. I um, I tease him a lot because I call him a pre Umar Johnson hotel. <laughs> <laughs> like he's a Baptist deacon growing up, so he's a deacon in the church, minister of security, wearing kufis on some Umar Johnson with Minister Louis Farrakhan. Million Man March pictures hanging up on the wall with African gods and deities and kings. And so I was exposed as a young age to like the five percenters, Nation of Islam, Black Baptist upbringing. So I kind of had like knowledge of self at a young age. So even when all of this stuff was going on, it's like my view, even as a teenager, was like they trying to they trying to do what they do because they know who we are, but a lot of people don't know who we are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sense like they don't they know who we are, but we don't know who we are. Yeah, that's the that's the messed up part. <laughs> exactly. So once you know who you are, can't nobody tell you differently. Like. I get in situations now, especially, and I know all of us see it now, and, you know, being in the military or working in, you know, working or going to college, all of the friends you accumulated throughout your life, everybody has a couple of white people on some all lives matter on their friends list, and they see it. But when you know who you are, like, you know, <laughs> Uh, bro, I can't deal. I, I'm gonna tell you right now. I mute <laughs> them. Yeah, I, 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 I hide them. I actually had a situation. I had a dear friend that was an All Lives Matter man. It broke my heart. He's a he's a black dude from. Yeah, I ain't gonna yeah. say. That. Yeah, I know. I know. He's all lives matter. <laughs> I think. I think the biggest lesson I learned is. I was just like, okay, I can no longer be his friend and I'm done. But uh, a couple of days of praying and meditating, it's just like, you know, nobody changes when you ostracize them. Nobody changes when you demonize them. If they're your friend, as long as they understand that they can't disrespect you in a way and a, a certain level of communication is open, it's always, it's always a, uh, avenue for change. Okay. So, I got you. I see what you're saying. So with my friends that I'm close to that feel that way, I didn't ostracize them. We're just taking it slow and communicating and they respect me and I respect them. And, you know, we're going to continue the dialogue because if I say F you, I'm deleting you from my friends list and so we can never be friends again. That's just going to empower them in that all lives matter or however they feel, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a tough balance, man. Cause I'm gonna be honest, bro. I don't have the patience to, to talk talk about it. Like, like, cause we all know, of course, every life matters. But 
it's the the problem is we have to keep telling you that we matter, and yeah. that's the issue. Like I shouldn't have to tell you that I matter, but you know, sometimes sometimes people change. Um, you know, maybe maybe it takes something dumb. Maybe 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 you stepping in and saying something dumb will make you realize, you know, that you said something stupid. Because I, I mean, I, I'll admit, like you know, at forty, you know, I don't think the same way I was thinking at thirty five. You know, there's things that my views have changed on just by reading and you know, opening my eyes a little more. So there's some views of mine that has changed. So, you know, maybe with time. Yeah. And you know what I told, I told one of them, first of all, I think you missed it. I, I said you was old as hell, first of all. <laughs> you know what I told him? I said, I, t- I told my boy, I said, brother, I'm going to tell you this right here and I'm going to leave you with this. Um, your life isn't indicative of the black experience. So you live life in a bubble. You have close friends that are white. You have a surrogate family that is white that do any and everything for you. And um, you have your black family. So you live in a bubble of safety and security and feels like all is right with the world. But you have to step outside of yourself. And if you're my friend, um, you'll take a step back and, and step outside of yourself and really understand what I'm saying and respect where I'm coming from. And he said, all right, man, I understand, and we'll talk later. So, you know, if I said, man, all lives matter, bro, like, you black, what the, man, F you, bro. Get, get, off my, get off my Facebook. You can, let me block you. You can never talk to me again. You know, if you, if you got on that, what, no progress would be made, you know? Yeah. And it's certain, and I said this to say, it's certain times and places for everything. Now, these nasty, egregious people who are talking crazy. Sometimes you got to let people go. But sometimes it, it can be a middle ground to be had, you know? Yeah, I, dude, I, I, my whole thing is, look, whatever your feelings is, you stay over there, I'm going to stay over here, and I'm going to keep running my race. You run your race. Nice. Shit, we just... <laughs> <laughs> That's my boy, because I do too much talking, and you bought that work. <laughs> no, nah, you know what? No, and you know what's crazy? It, a lot of times, it's the opposite. I'm normally the talker, and you bought the action. <laughs> when it comes to this race shit, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess, man, because it's just like, man, I don't have the patience, because I feel like, it's a, not I feel, there's a system in place, white supremacy. Just call yeah. it what it is. It's a system. Right. And until we get to the root of it, because that's what it's going to take. Like all these apologies and stuff. I mean, that's nice. They sound good, but we're not attacking the root of the problem. And the root is just the, just the, um, the privilege, you know, that they enjoy. Just, just waking up white is a privilege. You're not going to deal with the shit we deal with. And I'll say that certain people don't understand that because certain people are white and don't have that privilege. <laughs> you know what I mean? Certain people are in Arkansas or Alabama and working at a sawmill, living in a trailer home, and they're like, where's my privilege? I had to work for everything more. Some yeah. people in a foster home or, you know, yeah. they don't see the grand scheme of things. And that, and. I'll even say this, like, I don't believe that that's the majority of people. 
like most of my friends that are of different ethnicities and colors are inclusive and even if they don't understand their heart is open to understanding or just empathizing yeah and um but you know it is what it is we have a lot to go like this was what what was it 1967 or 68 was the civil rights bill? 65 Civil Rights Act, 64, 65, something like that. Okay, so I'm off with that. But my father was born in 1960. So, oh, okay. I'm saying that to say that he was born in a time where this didn't exist. And all the way back to what I was saying was I was raised in the 90s, 2000s. That world doesn't exist anymore. So, it's just a constant progression, man. We're going to get some pushback from the dominant society, but we, we, it's, it's no stopping us, man. I, and I really feel like I know it's a lot of slack on the younger millennials and, you know, the people that come after them. I don't even know their names, 2000s and up. But I, I honestly feel like this is the greatest generation that's been set forth because we're continuing to break down barriers. We're continuing to have uh, Minneapolis and, you know, Kentucky getting it in and all of these places, man, we're making change and we're yeah, pushing it's, for change. It's, like these people that these racists and these people are put being put on blast and losing their jobs and careers. Yeah. Man, that has never happened. It, it, bro. it definitely I I listen, I will say that it feels different. Like something do feel different. Like I, I'm a quote Shannon Shop. I'm cautiously optimistic because it do feel different. Like I never seen I never seen this much uh upheaval in the country as far as race goes. And and to and to the young white, the the the, the white people that's out there that's you know fighting and standing beside us, like I definitely respect them and salute that because hell, I haven't been to a march. Like that's just not me. I'm not a marching person. So for them to be out there, you know. I ain't been out the house since March. So I'm, I'm with y'all. I'm tapping in. I'm supporting y'all online, but I ain't bringing nothing home to my baby boy. Man, you, know, you can't. You can't. And it's and honestly, man, like, you know, God forbid, it can be a safety issue out there. Yeah. Like, you yeah. got people that take their cars and run them into the crowd. And, man, them, them, man, them good old boys, they not going to get us up easy. So, yeah. I mean, shit. We had we had a civil war in this country, and that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. So that she was right. coming down, and it's it's still an issue now. NASCAR yeah. banned the Confederate flag. Like it's still that going shit was on. crazy. Yeah, I, I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, I did not see that coming, and they did that shit quick too. Quick. Yes, uh, you know NASCAR is dying on the low. <laughs> I do something. <laughs> Oh look, they may be right. I may I may tune in for a race after them. Yeah, going. I may watch a lot. Bubba Martindale coming around seventy lap. What's my man named Bubba Wallace? I might I might hey, follow Bubba Wallace for hey, me. Bubba Wallace, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Bubba Wallace, man. He out there, he out there repping hard. Like I, I know, man, him. but like I said, I mean, our kids are pretty much in that same generation, so. I think it'll. I, it's going against it. They. The good thing is, our kids have us. Like you said, some earlier, man, that stuck with me. 
because I talk about it so much, me and me and uh, Letitia, we talk about it so much. That yeah. being in survival mode, man, like that shit is crippling. And I ain't, I'm not gonna pay you no mind because I'm gonna be serious. <laughs> but you you hit it on the head, man. When you talk about just not being in survival mode, man, like I'm you, gonna tell you, bro. Like being out of survival mode is real, and I think, like I said before, man, I grew up with a. Uh, correctional officer father and a, a mother you know my mother struggled with drug addiction heavy drug addiction for over 20 years and she wasn't really a mother to me so that's what I had to deal with and joining Navy a month after high school and say you know what whatever happened before me happened before me I couldn't control that but I can control myself moving forward and um knowing that my son has a mother and I am putting myself in a position where I can be available to my son at all times is a step forward in the cousin's lineage. And it is going to set Jalil forth to be the best that he can be and to change the world. And that is the progression part of, like you said, like going from survival mode to thriving mode. And, um, I say I'm so proud of you and Leticia and Nia and y'all are amazing. I'm glad y'all y'all are in our lives and are great examples. And like you said, you stood behind me when we got married, man. I think the world of you, bro. Man, look, bro. You know how I feel about you, man. I I, I love you, bro. You yeah, I know. You, you came with <laughs> you became a brother to me, man. And uh -huh. to see the progression you you and your you and your beautiful wife had, man. I'm so proud of y'all, and I know it's only great things to come. So, look, I love y'all, and we're just going to keep this great thing going. I know the cousins trained. It's going to keep going forward, and y'all just going to keep building. And the Lampers, we're going to keep building. And together, we're just going to keep helping. We're going to continue right. to keep helping our race and just bringing forth a great generation, brother. So, ready, bro. Thank you again, man. Thank you for everything, bro. I love you. I'm proud of you. Thank and you. I appreciate you carving out the time to do this for me, man. I really hey, do. That's one thing, that's one thing black people don't say is I love you, man. I love you. I love your black ass, bro. Oh. I look, I it took it took a lot for me to do that, but I said, you know what? I'm gonna tell you something. I what would what, what really got my what really changed my heart and my mind is when you go to a funeral and you crying and you sitting there and you like, man. I don't even know if I told that person I love them. And you know you love them, but you didn't tell them that why they was here. So I said, you know what? From now on, I'm gonna make sure if it's a person in my life and I know I love them, even if I just tell them one time, at least I ain't gotta sit there and cry and be like, damn, I don't know if I ever told them I love them. So I love you, brother. <laughs> oh, man, you the next Montel Williams, bro, I believe. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to the podcast again. Thank you, brother cousins, for doing this. Um, oh, and before I go, I want to uh, thank my sponsor, First Gen Fly, um, custom made shirts. He also he makes custom made shirts, and he also has a great selection. So if you check out his website, put in code Lamp Twenty and save twenty percent. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day. Peace.